0: Hello and welcome to episode twenty-nine of the DX Mentor podcast, all about CB0ZA. Thank you for joining us. I'm Bill AJB, the DX Mentor. In this episode, we will attend a detailed discussion on a DX expedition to the Juan Fernandez group of islands, which are typically known as CE0Z. The specific island in question is Robinson Crusoe, and the call will be CB0ZA. My guests are Mike 85A, who will be on the DX expedition and Joe, WAGEX, who's a veteran of over 60 DXpeditions. This episode is sponsored by ICOM America, maker of the finest radios and accessories for your amateur radio station, The Daily DX, the best source for real-time DX information, and by DX Engineering, your one-stop shop for equipment, accessories, and technical knowledge. This episode is also sponsored by the Southwest Ohio DX Association, one of the premier DX clubs in the nation. As you know, I was at the Orlando Hamcation last week presenting on working DX. I'd not been able to stay up on emails until this past weekend. There were several nice emails to go through, and I was happy to do it. Greg N6ZUE and Roger W5AL both had great comments about Episode 26 on the CW Ops organization and all of the great work that Rob K6RB and his group does. Thanks to Greg and Roger for the great emails, and of course, thanks to Rob for being on the podcast. Harry, W1HMM, had a couple of questions after listening to episode 28, all about the DX Marathon. He also sent along a show suggestion. Fortunately, we have a show just like that in the works for early summer, but I always appreciate the input. Thanks, Harry, for the great email. Finally, I received an email from Aaron, N6ACA, after working him on 15 meters. Thanks, Aaron, for the QSO and the comments. Good luck to you. Now, let's tune into our gurus and find out all about the Robinson Crusoe Island DXpedition. Well, good evening. I'm Bill, AJB, the DX Mentor, and welcome to our uh, podcast. Uh, tonight, I'm really excited to uh, talk to Mike, AD5A. Uh, Mike's about to depart on a expedition, and uh, I'm hoping, and I'm going to say this in front of everyone, that I can catch him when they come back and then we'll find out how it went. So uh, that's my goal tonight, but uh, I'm going to let you fill in the details, uh, but I'm excited. And Mike is an experienced de-expeditioner, and and we're going to learn a lot tonight. So, uh, But let's start it off with Joe, W-A-G-E-X. He's with us tonight. How you doing, Joe?
1: Well, I'm doing fine, uh, uh, Mike and Bill. Thanks for uh, the invite. It's always a pleasure to have uh, guys like Mike aboard with us and find out what they're doing, where they're going next. And and uh,
0: let's get started, Mike. So I'm Mike, ready. Tell, tell us about yourself, Mike. How'd you get into this wacky hobby? And then especially uh, not just working DX, but being DX.
2: Well, it, um, it goes back to my teen years um, when I got into shortwave listening. Uh, unlike many who did, there were no hams, there were no Elmers in my neighborhood. And so uh, I was, it was in, enthralled with DXing and being able to hear Radio Peking and Radio Moscow the BBC and Radio Australia uh, in my bedroom with basically a whip antenna. And I just thought it was magic. And uh, I did it, you know, up until, like we say uh, in Boy Scouts, fumes, um, gasoline and perfume. And (laughs) – So I, I started then to drift away from it. Well, fast forward um about 15 years and my son was twelve and I came across some old QSL cards from my shortwave listening days. And I set him down and I went through those. And I said, Look here, I, I could hear this, this country, that country. I think I had 30 or so cards. He was fascinated and said, you know, hey dad, can um we listen to some of those still. So I went out bought a little shortwave receiver and we sat down a few evenings and started listening to the, some DX stations and, and had a great time. And about that time I was walking through a radio shack and saw W5YI course. It said novices now have voice privileges and, um, you know, you no longer have the conditional license. And I thought, wow, lots have changed since uh, when I was thinking about it. So I I bought the course and took it home. So the first night I plugged in the code tapes and Michael, who's now AB5EB, was 12, came in and said, dad, do you mind if I listen to those code tapes? And I said, be great. You know, I thought it might last a day or two. Well, four weeks later, we got our license on the same day.
0: No kidding.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, we got our novice ticket on the same day. I was KB5 ILS, he was KB5 L T. And um we buried ourselves in a hobby basically. Uh he was my packet cluster. Um, he would we had a Drake TR7 and he would come home from school and just tune that band up and down, up and down, and and uh find all the DX. Of course, everything was DX to us at the time. And long story short, we just uh, grew in the hobby together. His, he's still AB5EB. When we upgraded to extra, I was AB5EA. And I did a lot of expeditioning under that call and then got a vanity call in 96, and he elected to stay with his call. So that's how I got into the hobby. Now, I've been active ever since, and DXing was my first love. Um, it took me 16 years to get number one on a roll. And I just was focused on it and um, something I enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of the challenge things now. I'm up to just over 2,900. I don't oh. know if I'll ever make, 3 don't know if I'll ever make 3,000, but um, DXing was my first love. So in 1994, I went to, um, I, we were living in Houston. I went to a ham fest and I forget Dave's call. I think it was WQ5P. Dave Paperman and Dave gave a presentation on IOTA and they had the coolest certificate for a hundred islands, very colorful. It was just, and I said, I have, I need one of those. I, I need to start chasing this IOTA stuff. So I did learned a little bit about it and found out that Galveston Island just south of us counted. So I got a bumper mount mobile antenna and Headed off down to Galveston and got on the iota frequency, started calling CQ. We immediately had a pileup of Italians on twenty meters, and we were just uh, amazed. We had never thought about being DX, um, and all of a sudden we had a pile of guys wanting to work us, and that's where it started. Um, you know, we did a lot of, we learned a lot. Uh, you know, from a mentorship perspective. A lot of my uh, hesitation to get into expeditioning was I wanted to go with someone who knew what they were doing. And, and, and that's not a bad idea. But if you don't have anyone, go. Just find a spot you want to go to and start planning it. And you know, you'll come across hurdles and you just go and, um, you know, start small. Don't try to do anything fancy. Um, you're going to make mistakes. That's how you learn. I once did an expedition in Alaska, an IOTA expedition. Got on the antenna, put up my, got on uh, the, the station, put my R5 up, my R5 vertical, and the little black box had burned up from my last expedition. I didn't take any extra wire to make a dipole with. I just had the one antenna and everything was based on that. So you learn those things the hard way along the way. And, um, but anyway, that, that started, and then it, the projects got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, we eventually did a brand new one in Nicaragua. We did a couple in Nicaragua. Um, I've been to Australia. We did VK9AR, which is a two-and-a-half-day sale out of Broome. Um, it's actually – it's the only VK9 that's not a DXCC country. Uh, it's actually closer to Indonesia than, than to Australia. But that was a, that was a fun one. We did, um, we've done some up in Labrador, up in Canada, all along the Gulf Coast, uh, Texas. I've probably done somewhere in the ballpark of 20 of those. Um, And along the way, when we did the new one in Nicaragua, um, you know, I, I was prepared and always prepared to pay for the entire expedition myself. But being from the business world, I thought, well, someone may want to. Donate some stuff and advertise. This was going to be a new island, get lots of publicity, relatively speaking, lots of publicity. And so I put some feelers out. Hey, we're going to do this island when you be, you know, what can you help us with? Any piece of equipment? Well, the net of it was the Oklahoma Comm Center gave us a dipole, and Yesu gave us a 25% off coupon. And that was all we could muster. So coming back from that expedition we thought, you know, we can complain about this or be part of the solution. That's when we formed IRIF, the Island Radio Expedition Foundation, um, made a 501c3 and funded exclusively IOTA-only expeditions. Um, or they had to be rare enough on the IOTA list to qualify. Um, and, and ironically, it's not surprising if you think about it, most DXCC countries, however rare they may be aren't rare in iota because most of the iota chasers have already been through dxcc they've gone to iota as a second kind of a second life if you will to work things so when i went to galveston island it was actually more rare than heard of if you wow. believe that or,
1: from
2: from an iota perspective sure you know? yes. uh so so we did that um you know for for 24 years and the thing, we, when we did the De Expeditioner of, of the Year Award that you guys were so, uh, uh, we, we thank you for allowing us to give that out a couple times at the DX dinner to highlight De, the IOTA expeditioning. It's, it's a different brand of expeditioning. I'll call them, I call the big ones corporate expeditions. In a corporate expedition, you know, one guy's handling this, one guy's handling that, you know, somebody's getting permission, somebody's doing logistics. Somebody's doing the band operating plan. So you, you, you divide and conquer on these big ones. When you do IOTA, you, you pretty much do the whole thing yourself. You get permission, you do the logistics, you carry all your equipment, you deploy, you find the boat. You, you do all those things pretty much by yourself for one or two others. And it, it can be it can be very challenging. So we wanted to highlight that genre if you will of expeditioning and I think while we were able to give the award out uh, we did that but you know COVID came um, all sorts of other things cut back on that activity and funding models have changed you know with OQRS um, you know the kind of grants we could give and our grants were not huge we were giving between five hundred and a thousand dollars um, they can raise that no QRS pretty quickly, uh, rather than have to go through our qualification and follow our rules and QSL by the bureau and all that kind of stuff. And so the requests became fewer and fewer, mm-hmm. and um, we just decided probably at best to close it down. So we did that about three months ago, but that's a, a long answer to a short question, um,
0: <laughs> but about- it's a good. So, of, of all the places you've been, where would you like to go back and where would you never go back?
2: The most interesting place and the most fun I had was VK980. Um, I mean, that's probably as close to DXCC as you can you get a two and a half day sail. It's, it's an uninhabited island. The way that we got permission was VK5CE. Uh, um, Craig, I think Edwards' is last name, Craig. Uh, was able to get get a permit going along with government biologists who are going to do some bird counts, check on nesting. Um, they've had problem there with fire ants. Make sure the fire ants hadn't come. They're going to do a bunch of of work uh, around that. And so he got permission for three of us, for three operators, to um, accompany those biologists. And so it was it's a it was a pretty special island to get permission to operate from and the way that it worked and, and the way we were able to operate there of course you have ja's just in your backyard and i think in two and a half days of operating we made over eight thousand queues and and that's with just verticals on the beach um but that one was fun because it was a all-in adventure it was a nine-day trip you know a lot of iota expeditions are a long weekend Mm -hmm. um but but this was kind of an all-in you know type of operation now where would i not go back to you know the the most miserable ones believe it or not are the ones in the gulf off the gulf coast of texas louisiana they're usually little barrier islands and they're uninhabited but they're just covered in mosquitoes and you know it's just uh it could just be very miserable. So I, I I would say any of those. Now, would I go back? Yes. Would <laughs> I, want to, go, would I, would I want, want to go back? Nah, well, you know, probably not. But, you know, it, it makes for a good story when you come back.
0: And now let's hear a word from ICOM. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Our innovative and high-powered base stations cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contests. Remember, with ICOM, heard it worked it, logged it. The IC7300 is an industry first using an RF direct sampling system in an entry-level HF radio. This compact, high-performance, and innovative transceiver will far exceed your expectations. The real HF fun starts here with the IC7300. It features RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a 4.3-inch color touchscreen, a real-time spectrum scope, and an SD memory card slot. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham once. Faint signals are no longer a challenge for DXers and contesters. The high-performance RMDR can pick out the faintest of signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. This direct sampling software-defined radio has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. The 7610 features RF direct sampling 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digit select. We also also offer the IC7851. You can use this to keep your competitive contesting edge. Contesters and DXers are always looking for that competitive edge to magically pull out the weak signals needed to climb up the list. With faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. The IC7851 is the pinnacle of HF perfection. It features 110 dB of RMDR, 1.2 kHz optimum roofing filter, digital IF filters, a digital voice recorder, high resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and an SD memory card slot. For the love of ham radio. For more information about ICOM's amateur radios and to locate a dealer, check the show notes that I have all this listed in, and also you can visit ICOMAmerica.com slash amateur. 73s and good luck on the pileup. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mike, so here- did, the, did, did the fire ants bother you at VK6? No, there there were none.
2: Oh. Um, uh, they They... So they had had they had problems with um, Indonesian fishermen uh, staying on that island and, and bringing food and different things. And and I guess the fire ants kind of became an epidemic down there and if it affected the nests and hatching and all that stuff of all the birds that go there. So they've uh, there's a warship off of that island 365 days a year to keep non-permitted people from landing there. Oh, wow. And so this, this was sort of an annual checkup, if you will, of that island and, and the shape of the bird nests and the population and all that. Um, and so I think they go out there once a year. Okay. And we were able to tag along.
0: Wow. So, Joe, we, we've talked about some of your favorite ones before, but which place would you not, <clears throat> excuse me, want to go?
1: Uh without a doubt, it would be Swain's Island. That that was tough. That was absolutely miserable.
0: Yeah. Because of the heat or because?
1: Well, the, the last crew that went through there, and, and I talked to uh, one of those operators, and, and they complained about the mosquitoes, but the heat is what really got us more than the mosquitoes. It is this miserably hot down there, and as you well know, Mike, you always have to put the antennas up out on the beach. So you're out in the hot sun for um two or three days, whatever the case may be. Then you got to take them all down again. And boy, that 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 heat was just absolutely miserable out there. You
0: know, you point you pointed out something I never thought about. It's like you can be on the beach and you can have all the water you want, but the water's like, you know, ninety-five degrees because it's yeah. in the same heat you are. You can't take it out of the fridge. So It's really not, I guess it's no relief. It's just hydration, really. Yes. Wow. So um, how did you end up with this group going to Robinson Crusoe or or Juan Fernandez, if you will?
2: Well, um, my son, uh, AB5EB, has had a long-running relationship with Marco, um, who was leading this expedition, and they had planned some iotas. And um, they had never really, and none of the plans came to fruition. And then when Michael went to Bouvette, I think Marco thought, you know, hey, he's got some, some good experience and he can add some value to the planning and, and um, maybe we go do something bigger. And so um, the original plan was try to go to San Felix, but that, that's much harder to get on. Uh, and so Juan Fernandez became the choice. And so I wasn't on the original route. Um, and then a couple of the Chileans, actually, I think three, a couple of Chileans dropped out, create an opening. And he asked me if I wanted to go and uh, answered, of, of course, uh, I want I wanted to go. It's kind of a and he knew it was a dumb question, but he asked it anyway. Um, and and so um, and then. You know, you mentioned in in the notes, Marco passed away very unexpectedly. Um, He had a heart attack. He wasn't that old guy. I think he was in his 50s. And um, to be honest, we weren't certain that the expedition would go on. But um, some resolved people wanted to honor Marco by continuing with the work he had done which was difficult. He had all the relationships. He had taught, he had gotten the permissions. He had um, made the arrangements uh, on the Island. He, he had done all of that and really done it himself. And and we, as a, as an expedition team, you know, really didn't get too involved in it. So the guys in Chile um, and Otis, uh, MP3, I'm going to get in trouble not knowing his call MP3G. I think Otis also went to Bouvet. Um, they picked up. They picked up the ball and ran with it, and uh, we filled in all the blanks. And and um, now have gotten our cargo there. We've we've gotten permissions, and we've got the call signs, and so everything is uh ready to go. We're just waiting on February seventh to catch our plane.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the the dates I'm showing here are February 13th to the 20th. But um, well, I
2: think we'll actually those are maybe a little old. We we're kind of try to be on February 10th. Okay, and we may operate at least through the twenty third. Wow. Um, okay.
0: Ooh.
2: Yeah. And we're going to do. Um, I don't think we've announced this to the public yet, but it's not going to hurt anything. We're going to do the DX contest. Uh, we're going to do a multi single from down there.
0: Um, okay.
2: We'll still use the other stations to operate, work and sideband and and FT8 those kinds of things, but we will we will do uh a contest and we've got a secret weapon we have N two ic on our team who who is uh, a world-class contester so uh anyway we're looking forward to that
0: um i think this is the group of uh, joe and i sat through a meeting with uh greg marco um about um being remote operators so i i'm looking forward to that i've never done that i think it'll be a lot of fun and uh actually just being part of of hearing all this stuff is kind of cool um so we're excited about that um yeah i i did mention the the, the team leader and, and i think what it does is it 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 really underscores th- this isn't you guys just aren't going to a park somewhere uh and setting up i mean every time you put a group like this together on a boat on a plane you know in, in you're you're taking some amount of risk and and i always say this but like you know i'm sitting at home and if I can't get you on 30 meters, I, you know, slap my fist on the table and dang, I'll try to give them tomorrow night. But then if I get you now, I go off looking for somebody else, but you guys got to take time to get there. You got to stay there. Then you got to get back. You got equipment, set up equipment. It's it's, that's got, I, I know talking to Joe, it's got to be exhausting, right? Well, it is.
2: And, and as Joe will know, uh, there's so much planning uh, and discussion among any the expedition team to pull together a cohesive plan we're all we all have our favorite things to do um if it were up to me uh i would probably want to operate 12 hours a day on nothing but the cw and uh let me get three or four hours nap and i want to come back <laughs> I, I don't i don't really want to operate phone or ft8 and i just want to do my thing well you've got to put those things aside when you go on a de-expedition i mean you've got to Fill a role, and and that role may include other modes that you may not be uh, that great at or enjoy that much. But the expedition goals come first, you know, not your personal favorites. If we did that, it'd be hard to put a team together. Yeah. So you 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 have to find a team that has some flexibility in their capabilities and willingness to adapt.
0: Wow, Um, I know Joe. Which one was it that you were on where? Everybody was just—it was like the top fifteen people that applied. That was the team. So you didn't get to pick them ahead of time. You didn't get to. Oh, that was that was on
1: Midway. So when we went to Midway um, way back when the um, Fish and Wildlife, they they picked us, and and the fourteen of us uh, made made the team. It, it was not our team that we're accustomed to, Mike. Where we all. Take our buddies and people that we're familiar with, and the local doctor, and so forth. But on on Midway, uh, we we filled out an application, sent it in to them, and then they picked us. So we, wow. yeah, and and as it worked out, it worked out
0: absolutely beautiful. But at the
1: time, we didn't think it it would be.
0: I can't imagine that you're in a confined space for, and and you can't go anywhere and you got one or two people that you kind of can't stand or they get under your skin. That's, that's a major challenge. and, And man, oh man. Let's pause for a minute to hear from one of our great sponsors. You know, I've been talking about DX engineering for quite a while, and I thought it would be better to have someone who, uh, is an avid user and appreciates all that DX Engineering does and Tim Duffy does for the ham community. So here's Paul, N6 PSE, as he's preparing um, for his H40 uh, Whiskey Alpha expedition.
2: You know, there's some really terrific organizations and companies out there that sponsor our expeditions that really, really bolster our abilities and really add to that success factor. Uh, Tim Duffy and the great folks at DX Engineering are second to none, um, just amazing people. And when we contact them, uh, they are very generous and really help us a lot.
0: Thanks, Paul, for your honest reflection on DX Engineering and how they affect the ham community. And good luck on your upcoming H-40 Whiskey Alpha expedition. So did well, the,
2: you, other, the other thing I didn't mention, and, and Joe mentioned, doctor. My son is an ER physician, and so he was the uh, doctor on the Bouvet expedition as well. So I'll have my own personal doctor on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a
0: big nice. Who did we? Yeah. Was it Don uh, Greenbaum that we talked to a month or two ago? And he wouldn't think about going on a expedition now without a doctor. No, said, you're just you're really asking for trouble. So. So, did you know? Uh, I, I know you were invited, but did you know most of the, the team, or uh, that you're going with, or some of them, or?
2: I knew Otis um, from um, he's. I met him a few years ago in Dayton, and then when he and Michael were on the Bouvet team, uh, we'd go to Dayton. They'd kind of hang out together, and and so I got to know him a little bit. Into I C, who I've known him. I was in WRTC this past year and um uh Steve London into us he was there and he's 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 a very good contester uh I didn't get into contesting much until after I retired but I've sort of migrated to doing some of that but those two guys but other than that uh no but I've met some guys on this team that are extremely capable and um I've never known them before But I guarantee you, if I were to pick a team, uh, they, they'd be on my team. It's, it's, we're only seven guys. So we're going to, we're going to be spread pretty thin and (laughs) we've got two stations to run. Now we have the rib; It's, it's going to be like our third station running primarily FTA. Um, so we'll have effectively three signals on the air at any given time.
0: Okay. Um, Two of uh, Joe and I favorite guys, uh, Hal W eight C Hal Turley, and yep. uh, and Greg Marco W six I I know they're associated with this, um, and they're just tremendous guys. So yeah, they
2: are. We we got I got to meet Hal. We did a run through down in Melbourne, Florida, uh, to set up and test all of our equipment, um, make sure everything worked, and and uh, our networking and all that stuff. And and I met Hal there. Now Hal has trouble. He lives in West Virginia. In the little airport there, he has trouble getting out on time. He yeah. he was two days late.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> I wish we'd have known that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they had to move the orange barrels and keep the trucks from going across the runway. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
2: anyway, he did make it. He did make it, and and uh, we got to we got to hang out and have a good time. Had a nice dinner and a couple beers. So, um, and I'm looking forward to the
0: hanging out with him more at the expedition. Yeah. I'm, I'm envious. He's, he's a heck of a nice guy. So, so in your mind, how, um, if, if we get together and in, in let's say a year from now, if you look back on this, the expedition, how do you feel you'll, what criteria will you use to determine it was a success?
2: Well, you know, we actually had some discussion in our, um, team about that today. What are measures of success? And and I think, in. um, from a de-expedition goal perspective, you want to fill as many band mode slots as you can for your audience. And that's how I look at it. I don't don't know if you've ever read any of Marty Lane's books about expeditioning, but that's how he taught me. This is your audience. And, you know, his other advice is be loud. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you, you can't, you can't run a pile up, you know, with a QRP. So I would say, you know, to the extent that we could make guys happy who need us. You can always read your reviews by just looking at comments on reflectors. Joe knows this. You come back, it's one of the things I always do. I come back and look up the spots. What do they yeah. say? And, and we're going to have um, a pilot. And so we'll have some real-time feedback on um, how we're doing. Are we in the right places at the right time? Are we leaving bands too early? Are we staying bands too long? And we'll adjust on the fly. The other thing is number of uniques. So in the contesting world, if I hear a little peanut whistle station, I just keep calling CQ. I don't have time to try to dig them out. I can work two or three people by the time um, I pull them out. But Mm -hmm. on a de-expedition, just the opposite is true you dig those guys out in a contest. I'm just Texas. I'm, 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 not anything important to anybody, but you know, on an expedition you're meaningful to that station on the other end. And, and I think you've got to take special effort to get those guys in the log, the guys with the dipole up 15 feet, um, that, that when they work, you they're going to, you're going to make their day. Uh, and so I would say the number of uniques, we need to have a reasonable number of uniques and then, of course, that we get there and back safely. Sure. Um, I, I think that is, is a good measure. But I think the performance is be where you're supposed to be. Um, work as many guys as you possibly can. Don't don't work the same thousand guys on nine bands. Um, pay attention to the little guys. And, uh, and when you come back, you, you're going to make people mad. But if the majority of the comments are positive, I think you have to call that a win.
0: OK, so yeah. let's flip the script now. I'm, I'm the guy with 100 watts and a dipole or, or a vertical in the side yard. What do I have to do to, to increase my odds of being heard?
2: Well, I, I think uh, I think early on and, and I think we've all gone through this stage in our DX career is, you know, you're probably you, you may or may not work this on the first day. But but don't lose heart. I mean, I, I like to dabble in QRP. By the way, there's not much about ham radio I don't like, so I I like to dabble in QRP. And I I would always wait until the last two or three days of an expedition when they're calling CQ, and you can almost always work them QRP.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, And and so hang in there, stay on the fringes. If you're a little guy, you know I will tune up. If I'm working a pileup, I will go up a little further up to see who is smart enough to be outside of the masses. And I'll work work that guy and usually another one or two before everybody finds it. Okay. Then I go back, start overwork the big guys, but I'm always looking on the fringes to see if I can pick up that weak signal. So don't be afraid to use that tactic. Uh, Because experienced expeditioners will look for you there because you get up on the edge, you're easy to work. You don't have to get repeats. You can get the whole sign call call sign. So that's some of the things I would say. Um, And if, if, if we're not you know if the expedition is not uh in the right place at the right time we'll have a pilot send a note to the pilot and say hey I can I can hear you at this time um you know listen listen a little longer and and I, and I think we will adjust to that
0: well wow, okay that's great yeah it I know um, for years I had a rig in the car so when you have in the car and you've got a hundred watts you know, you're, you're limited, but what I, I think I became a better operator because I would hear how much the other stations don't listen. So right. if, if he says up 10 and everybody keeps calling up five, it's easy to working. So, yeah. so mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is a hundred percent, right. If you got to listen and follow directions and you actually can get them in the log.
2: Well, yeah, some things I'll do. And I actually enjoy doing this a lot uh, is to do just that is like, they're not listening to me. So maybe they're all up up, uh, three and I'll say up five and see who goes to five and I'll be waiting on them. And when they get there, I'll work. And then, you know, and then I'll go back and work up one to five and then up two. If they're all up high, I'll say up two. And the people who can hear me and copy code will go up two. Yeah. And so I, I do that to reward the guys who are paying attention.
0: Let's take a break to learn about the the Daily DX.
3: Hey, I just poured you a cup of coffee. You look pretty happy. How'd you do?
0: I worked him on the third call. Can
3: you believe it? You worked him on the third call? Seriously? I thought you just had that little pistol station.
0: I do, but I have a secret weapon. A secret weapon? What is it? Information. I knew when they were on the air, their operating habits. Heck, I even knew the equipment they're using. I just had to be there when they came up on the band. I even beat the spotting network.
3: Wow, how'd you manage all that?
0: I get the daily DX from Bernie, W3UR. In addition to the weekly and daily bulletins, I also receive special notices when things change in real time. I feel that I'm always on top of every expedition.
3: So now you just need to confirm it, right?
0: Yep, that's it. Byrne even helps me with that, giving me QSL routes and QSL managers if they don't use LOTW. The Daily DX is a DX bulletin sent via email to you Monday through Friday. It includes DX news, IOTA news, QSN reports, QSL information, a DX calendar, propagation forecast, and much, much more. With a subscription to the Daily DX, you will also receive DX news flashes and other interesting DX tidbits. Bernie's been an integral part of my confirming over 300 entities and WAZ while operating a modest station.
3: W3UR Bernie is the editor, a member of the DX Honor Roll, a member of the 3000 Challenge Club, as well as the editor of the How's DX Column in QST. He is uniquely positioned to have his finger on the pulse of the DX community and shares this information weekly. Why not let Bernie be your secret weapon?
0: You can get a free 2-week trial at www.dailydx.com.
3: Now let's go have that cup of coffee and tune around.
0: Um I'll have everything in the show notes, but how can how can we contribute? Right? How can we, you know, send send some money your way, $10, $15, whatever. cb0za.com. Charlie
2: Bravo zero zulualpha.com there's our website, and there's a donate button mm. there. and you know when when uh, Marco passed away, all of the website passwords, all of his email passwords went with him. and mm. so we went an extended period of time uh, without the website up. and um, I think we probably missed out on a few contributions. We also went from a team of 10 to a team of seven. Um, now there are some variable costs, obviously, plane tickets, hotel rooms, things like that, that we don't pay. But you know, there's a fixed fixed cost that doesn't change, and then you have fewer contributors. So you know, and I would say, I, 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 if you don't want to give up front, make us earn it. And if if we give you a band country, if we give you something that you didn't have, think about think about helping us out. Um, and, and if you, if we don't do that, well, then don't, don't support us. So, and it doesn't matter if it's a dollar, $2, $5, um, a lot of times, and you know, my wife says this all the time, but I'm going to repeat it. It's the thought that counts, you know, you mm-hmm. took the time to go and, 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 help us out a little bit. Um, now, you know, we're not a huge budget expedition, um, but we're still in the $20,000 range. So, um, yeah, Yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, it all helps. But but that's how how you can do it. Go to the website and there's a donate button.
0: So with the uh, sunspots as they've been, um, things aren't going to cool off, you know, anytime soon. Uh, Do you see a trip after this one? Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Where's it going to be, Michael? I can't tell you. Yeah, I can tell.
1: (laughs) Stay
0: tuned to the next podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you: Will you be making a the expedition to Dayton for the uh, for Hamvention?
2: Um, I'll, I'll make it. I'll be coming to Dayton. We won't. We won't. I won't do one between uh, Juan Fernandez and then. Right. But yeah, I'll be I'll be in Dayton. That, that's uh. Since I've retired, that's getting to be one of my favorite things ham radio things to do. Um, I'm also an FOC and and a bunch of the guys go there to meet. Um, I see Island guys. I also now, uh, I've done over 550 summit activations.
0: Wow. Mm.
2: And in fact, I'm going uh, leaving in the morning to do a trip through Eastern Oklahoma and Arkansas. Originally I couldn't do tonight because I was gonna be gone. Well, I think the high temperature up there today was like 15. Yeah. So I decided to wait today. But
1: uh, Mike, I've got a good question for our uh, listeners. Uh, what type of uh, food will you guys have on the island?
2: <laughs> well, we're working through that, and it's so, so the main thing you get on Juan Fernandez is the seafood. And and uh, I mean it's uh, I think it's 400 miles west of the mainland, and seafood is there primary uh, food uh, and you know there's always chicken and that kind of thing we have a couple guys on the team that can't stand seafood so i think we're gonna have to have some discussions now i have a lot of hobbies that one of my other hobbies is backpacking and so i've always opted for freeze-dried stuff mm-hmm. you, all you got to do is boil water and you boil water you don't have to carry canned foods you don't have to carry anything heavy and and that can sustain you um but you know we still have to work out our menu because the town is down below and we'll have a hotel room there we have a hike up the hill where the station is where we will probably stay a day or two at a time for a shift and then come back down
0: oh okay we
2: we have to figure out and, and take a break we have to figure out what food we're going to take up the hill, because they don't have a many non-perishable foods on the island. So we're still working out that detail, and um, probably some local guys. And we have two guys in Chile that are been invaluable with logistics that will uh, help us figure that out. Sure.
0: Let's pause so we can hear from a DX club that is one of our sponsors.
3: DXing is even more enjoyable when you make connections with other DXers. A major sponsor of this podcast is the Southwest Ohio DX Association, or SWODEXA. SWODEXA is best known for hosting the DX Dinner and DX Forum, as well as the DXpedition of the Year Award. All these DX events are held annually in conjunction with Hamvention, and are among the most well-attended and notable DX events of the year. Joining Swedexa will give you access to a great group of DXers, an informative newsletter, preferred seating at the DX dinner and the DX forum, and you will be supporting DXpeditions to the top 50 needed DXCC entities. Check us out at www.swodxa.com and click on the membership info tab for more information and a registration form.
0: So if if we can deviate just for a second, um, give, talk to me about summits on the air because th- that's something that it's just always been there, and I'm not sure if I'm interested in doing it or not. And um, and I've had people tell me, you know, if you do one, you'll have a good time, and you will do more. And that may be what's keeping me from doing it because I got too many, too many other things to do right now. But so you you, you, want, you must get a kick out of that. You want me? You want me to show you my rig? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And by the way, Joe does consider QRP uh, about 500 watts. So <laughs> he, he
2: and my son. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my my son has no use for QRP. Yeah. So this is my station.
0: No kidding. Amount mountain. Five
2: watts. It's five bands. This is my key.
1: Sure.
2: I use a little LiPo battery. And um, so my tower, that's my shack. This is my tower. It's a carbon fiber it fits in a pack, kind of that. And it extends out, goes up to about 18 feet.
0: Holy cow.
2: I just prop it up in a tree and I have a homebrew uh, trapped infant halfway. See this? You see the little traps on it?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. So it's uh, 40 through 17. I run it up the pole and down and kind of an inverted L. And I have a, um, a 49 to 1 ballon, a little QRP ballon at the bottom of it, feed it to the radio. And, you know, I'll make – you'll have a pileup for – five, 10 minutes. And, um, you know, I, I usually will stay on a summit, maybe 30. Now, some guys will go stay all day. Um, I'm doing multiple summits on this next run. So I usually stay 30 minutes or so I'll I'll work 40, 30, 20, 17. And I may go back to the band I started on. And it's, it's a big time hiking. Backpacking has always been a hobby of mine. And when I found out I could play radio at the same time um it, it was just too much for me to stand and have a lot of fun doing it now i also have a kx2 which is luxury on a summit you've got a tuner it's got a great little receiver in it uh that's also a good um a good radio but um yeah don't do it or you'll get you will because <laughs> it, it, it's just good fun and and uh, uh, it, you know it's a mini expedition i i I rarely stay overnight, but, you know, I'll plan my hike. I'll get up, get up to the top, uh, set up. I can be set up and operating in less than five minutes. Uh, And and summits on the air has a very cool spotting system. So most of us are QRP because the radios are light. So it ties into RBN. So I put a notice out. I'm going to be on the air between this time and tell them what summit I'm going to be on. So then when my signal hits the RBN, then the soda site picks it up and posts me on the soda um, cluster, hmm. and so I, I'm self-spotted. I don't have to worry about being spotted now on phone. I don't know who wants to do QRP phone, I, but there are a few, I guess. Yeah, um, they have to spot themselves, but you know it's uh, it's a good time, and the, the award is uh, it's the reason I'm, I'm doing this one now. Oklahoma and Arkansas, have a bunch of easy summits. I have a second home in Santa, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And there we do some pretty serious ones, um, from 7,000 feet up to twelve five or so. Wow.
0: Um,
2: the ones in, in Oklahoma are a lot, a lot smaller. Um, but I'm getting close to 5,000 points and, um, I want to get that done before I do the chilly thing. Um, I'll be gone most of the month of February, so I'm not going to get to do much then. So uh, we're gonna I'm gonna make a run about three days
1: up there. So Mike, to stay on a on a summit longer than what you normally do, it's just not effective. Well, it is.
2: Um, it just depends on what your goals are. You know, in in, in New Mexico, in the winter, it's too freaking cold to stay up there very long. So mm-hmm. you want to get up there, get it done, and while you're hiking and moving, you're warm. But mm-hmm. when you you know we're out in the open air, so. You can get chilly. Um, the other thing in the summer in New Mexico is you have uh, monsoon season. and so you've got thunderstorms at the higher elevation. So you want to be off the summit. Um, you want to be down below it by noon hmm. uh, before those thunderstorms kick up. So now, guys, back east, uh, and, and there's a lot of these summits or drive ups. You don't you don't have to hike. Um, Now, your station can't be connected to your car at all, but um, you can drive up to the top of qualifying summit, get on a park bench and and operate all afternoon. And some guys do that and uh, enjoy doing that. The other thing they do, there's a part of the award is called Summit Summit, where if you're on a summit and you work another summit, that counts towards an award. Oh, so they'll set up there all day and work other summits as they come up. So. The, and the other cool thing about it, there's no QSL. You upload your logs, both the activator and the chaser, and you're done. Uh, there, there's no, it's all the honor system, no cards involved. It's all automated. They track your awards. It's all automated. Um, it's, it's really a joy um, for me as, as part of the hobby.
0: Do you upload those to the Summit website or to LOTW?
2: Uh, to the uh, summits on the air website.
0: Okay, and then that they matters. have their own.
2: Yeah, they have their own database and track all the awards and all that. Now I do upload them to LOTW separately, um, but yeah, to get for them to track it, you got to load it up to their database.
0: Okay, so this may seem like a silly question, but are there podas that are also sodas?
2: Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. There. There are um you know if they're in a state park it's a summits in a state park or national park and there are many of those you can double up i've been on some of those now i haven't i need to admittedly catch on to some of this potus stuff because it's getting huge um i should post on their site when i'm doing one of those and i'd i'd have probably three or four times as many callers and i'll uh, warm up to that one of these days to start doing it but absolutely you can have two for one
0: okay I, you know, I think it, kind of what you alluded to, whether it's it's FT8 or it's summits or POT, uh, POTA, anything that keeps people active and on the air is a good thing for us. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So, Joe, what did I miss? Well, I don't know. I went down through the list. I think you, you've covered it. All right. Uh, yeah. Mike, anything you want to add or uh, something you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about or...
2: Well, I I, I, want to thank you guys for having me and thank you guys for doing this. I mean, I think there's so many different media today that we can take advantage of to to learn. And I know that, you know, I'm I'm never my career always sort of kept me busy. I wasn't much of a home repair guy, but I could go out on now and go out on YouTube and fix most anything. And I think guys learning the ham radio hobby have can shorten their learning curve compared to our day when we had to kind of you know, write letters and read books and you can go to club meetings. Now you can go to podcasts like this one and, um, learn. And so thank you guys for doing it. And, and thank you for having me.
0: Well, you're welcome. And, and boy, you, you, may, you fit this in. I mean, you're headed out in a few weeks and you've got your other activities and you, you got us in the middle. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Joe and I'll be at the DX dinner at, um, um, obviously at hamvention and also the DX forum. So, uh, if you, if you are able to get there, make sure you grab me and, uh, I'm, I'm hard to miss six, nine about 340 pounds. So uh, (laughs) yeah, he's hard to miss. Believe Yeah. Sometimes I'm carrying Joe around and sometimes I'm not. So
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'll, I'll be at the DX dinner. I try to, I try to do the contest dinner and the DX dinner. Um, and my wife uh, comes with me, uh, about half the time. And so this is this is, I think, a year she's coming with me. She enjoys the dinner,
0: so. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll be there. Now, do you also have a, a couple of grandkids that are licensed?
2: Yes. Um, my two grandsons are licensed. And the youngest one got his general when he was nine. Wow. <laughs> uh, the oldest one was 11, I think. And, and he, he was a smart kid. He They both studied online and took these... Uh, practice test. And the older one was always made mid eighties, low nineties. We we're pretty confident about him. But the youngest one, whose nickname is Boogie, by the way, he's been called him. that. He'd been <laughs> he's been called that since he was a kid. Boogie is now six four. You know, he's really? <laughs> yeah. And so he was he was nine. And so Reed, the the older one comes out of the testing session and well, how'd you do? Well, I passed. I made a 88. And Boogie, yeah, he wasn't coming. He wasn't coming. We're all getting worried. He comes around the corner with a big grin on his face, and we said, "How'd you do?" He said, "I missed the maximum."
0: <laughs> <laughs> he missed the maximum number to still pass. That's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: wow,
0: that's and, and are they a bit active still, or? You know.
2: uh, yes and no. Um, I've taken on some sodas and they, they do enjoy that. Now they do sideband when we we do that, but, um, the youngest one just graduated from Texas tech and, 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 is getting ready to go to vet school in a year. And he wanted, he wanted to talk to us on, uh, um, 40 meters. So he went, he and his fiance went to my place in Santa Fe where I have a little station set up. And so I talked him through getting it on the air from up there. So we had a round table with he, my son and I on 40 meters a few weeks back. That's and cool. he's been bug he's been bugging me. He calls me Papa. He said Papa I need to I need to get a radio in my truck. You think you can help me? I said yeah I think I can. So <laughs> I think he's I, mean, I think he's about to get active from a practical perspective. He likes talking back home. Uh, but I also think he'll catch some sort of bug and, and uh, get more involved.
0: That's great. And that makes you feel young too. You keep them going and keep them involved. And yeah. get the
1: hobby going.
0: Yep.
2: Yes. I mean, it. you know, um, the, the odd thing about um, my son and I getting our license the same day, and he probably wouldn't appreciate me telling you this, but so I was, we were both new hands at the same time. He was 12. So, you know, so we had to solder PL-259s and, and learn how to cut dipoles and tune them and, and do all that. Well, he was kind of small. He, he didn't fully understand all that, especially the soldering stuff. So I did it all. I mean, because I was learning, too. And so he really just was a operator. I would keep the station up and do the maintenance and build antennas and whatever needed to be done. And uh, so now, as a as an older ham, he's he doesn't have those skills. <laughs> he he <laughs> Yeah. He really can't solder. So I'm gonna have to go teach him, I guess. He can so he can sew you up. Does he Mike, does he know to will
1: pull the trigger back?
2: Well I think he know he has that part. But but uh yeah, he can sew you up or he can treat your burn if you have a solder burn. But yeah, you yeah. melt melting melt the solder he's not so good at. Well
0: yeah, we all have different skills, so <laughs> Well, Mike is very enjoyable, and I appreciate your time. And uh, and like I said, when you get back, um, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm thinking May or June, maybe after Hamfest, I'll drop you a note. And if if we can circle back around, and uh, I think at that point, maybe we'll be we'll be interested in how Robinson Crusoe turned out. But I really want to hear about summits at that point. So uh, we yeah. may we may just change that topic a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do it anytime, guys. Yeah. All well, right, well, thank thanks,
1: thanks for coming and and have a very safe and enjoyable trip.
0: Yeah, I really thank hope you. you do. And, uh, and, and, and people that are out there, they're listening. If, if you got a few extra bucks, uh, go to that uh, donate page. I'll put it in the, uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but I, I know every little bit helps and uh, we're going to do what we can do. And uh, boy, I sure hope you have a safe and enjoyable trip.
2: Thank you guys. Y'all be uh-huh. safe. Stay warm. Thank
0: yeah, you. sir. Thank you. Good night.
2: Right. Good night.
0: I hope you enjoyed that. That group just went QRT, and I hope you filled many band slots with CB0ZA. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the DX Mentor Podcast. I would like to thank our sponsors, ICOM America, The Daily DX, DX Engineering, and the Southwest Ohio DX Association. You won't find anyone more committed to DX than these sponsors. I would, of course, like to thank our gurus, Mike, AD5A, and Joe, WAGEX. I would love to have your feedback, answer your questions, and provide help with any DX or amateur radio issues that you may have. If you need clarification on something or you just have a question, email me at thedxmentor at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter using at thedxmentor. If you're more inclined, you can watch the presentation on YouTube in the DX Mentor channel. Please drop me a line if you've achieved an all-time new one, received recognition, or have a DX event you would like us to mention. We would be happy to do that. If you are enjoying the DX Mentor Podcast, please subscribe. You can also click like if you found this one to be particularly interesting. If you don't want to subscribe, please drop me a note let me know why. I just want to get better. 7-3 for this episode and thanks to my XYL Karen for her love and support.